0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language. But the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Romans chapter 7, verse 6. Romans chapter 7, and verse 6. The Bible says, but now we are delivered from the law. Shout, amen. He didn't say tomorrow. Say now. He didn't say next week. He said now. The Bible says, but now we are delivered from the law. You know, sometimes I ask myself, do people read the Bible or the Bible reads them? Do you understand? Do people read the Bible or the Bible reads them? The word has said, but now, underline the word, now. We are delivered from the law, now. Present day, we are free from the law, now. That means back in the day, it was the story, but you can't say that now and say, That you are under the law. The Bible says that now, 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 underline that we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held. That means when we were under the law, we were dead. That means anybody under the law is dead. Anybody that tries to balance the law and grace is alive and dead. They have some parts of them that are dead and they have some parts of them that are alive. Praise God. The Bible says that being dead wherein we were held, praise God, that we should serve in the newness of spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. We should serve in the newness of spirit. And not in the oldness of the letter. That means any man who has walked out of the law and into grace is serving in the newness of spirit. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You serve in the newness of the spirit. You live in the newness of spirit. You minister in the newness of spirit. Your life is in the newness of spirit. You know sadly big 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 part of the Christian faith is very ignorant of what the spirit realm is, who the person of the spirit is, the operation of the things of the spirit because we relate many of the things with a carnal nature, with a life that is seen and present. Are you following me? And Back in the day, before we understood this message long ago, we used to have conversations, and somebody's really expressing, you know, the dear condition of their heart, and they say, You know what? Recently, I've been dry. Right? Somebody says, You know, I spent a whole month dry. I said, Last three weeks, I have been so dry. You understand? And what they mean to say that in the last two or three weeks or four, in the right language, they're actually trying to say that the carnal part of me has really given in way more than my spiritual. You understand? That does not mean that you are dry. right? And then we created instances where, some people say, I'm in the spirit. Others say that that was not in the spirit, right? You find someone praying, and then you tap them by mistake. Why? Never interrupt me when I'm in the spirit. You understand? Because the spirit is a state of being that a man locks himself into conditionally. And for a time frame X. And then after that, they go back and become what? Carnal. You understand? Somebody shout amen. If you were born of the spirit, I repeat, you are spirit. You live in the spirit. You never leave the spirit. Even to your worst degree of carnality, you're still in the spirit. (laughs) Praise God. Likewise, you will never dry out. You can't be dry. Right? There might be instances where you might feel carnal, but feeling carnal does not mean that you're what? You're dry. Are you following what I'm saying? You can feel like, like a carnality. There's times probably your flesh gives in more than your spirit or tries to override your convictions of the spirit. That does not mean that you're dry. Dry places are where devils go in their chest. You remember the scripture? Then when one rebukes a spirit, it goes out of a man and walks through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And then he says, I will return unto my house whence I came from. In other words, dry places are places where demon spirits go. You can't say, I am dry. That means I am ready for whatever they are chasing out, right? And I remember back in those days, before we understood the Latin power of a new creature, they used to tell us, when they are casting out devils, also you be praying. Because you never know. A demon can come out of somebody. And what? Enter you. So when they start rebuking was doors, then somebody screams. Ah! We also start Fire. la 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 You understand? We used to put on armors, armor of God. Breastplate of belt of sword, shield. You understand? Because we were told that eh, 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 if you don't shield yourself in the spirit realm, a demon can leave one person and enter another. Those things don't happen in Fanero. ( cratering) (gasps) We are a new creation in Christ. We have the life which is of God in us. Why it has left someone, let it fly out. Why should it be dry enough? You understand? So, even at your worst kernel nature, if you are born again, you're still as full as the day you first believed. Somebody shout amen. So sometimes if you go through that, you can say, I'm going through a very interesting period. Right, But don't say, I am dry. Because you're not actually dry. It means you're the kind who walks by feeling and not by faith. Christianity is a life of faith. Sometimes the feeling will come. But what if the feeling died? Yeah, yeah there are times I've been in the presence of God. And you know, the wave of the spirit pulls your hair from the head. And then you feel it moving. Yeah, I've had those events too. But there are times I pray and it's not there. That doesn't mean I'm dry. Somebody shout, amen. When you understand the mystery of faith, you will do the craziest miracle at your driest. Why? Because you have finally understood that it's not about what you feel. And it doesn't matter how much your carnal nature tries to exert itself on your spirit man. To change the narrative is simply a choice. One of which is speaking in tongues. You know, Somebody will tell me, you know, I really try. I want to speak in tongues, but when I try, tongues don't come. That's the essence of why I'm dry. You understand? And I tell them, you know why when you pray in tongues, you cannot pray? It is because either you have fake tongues. Or you don't understand what it means to speak in tongues. The Bible says, and they speak in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Are you alone in your speaking of tongues? Answer me. No, you're not alone when you're speaking in tongues. Somebody's helping you. Come on. That means just open your mouth. And it just flows. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. And you know, you don't understand. Have you ever been there? And then you... Let God be true. And every man a liar. Do you know how much power that has to simply know that as you speak in tongues, the spirit is the one giving utterance? Do you know just how much power there is and how much liberty and liberation there is to know that it's not you praying, but the spirit is praying? Okay, if you can't pray, let the spirit pray through you. That's exactly what it means. Let the spirit pray through you. Let him utter. Let him speak. He says likewise the spirit helpeth in our word In our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to pray. But the spirit itself, the Bible says, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let the spirit pray through you. Somebody shout Hallelujah. There is no remedy for it. Once you feel your carnal nature is trying to take over, speak in tongues. And I always tell people, just take a walk outside the house. Or just take a walk. Just say, let me just walk out for six, eight, ten minutes, fifteen. Then as you're walking every step of the way, you're, As you continue doing that, The Bible says you're funning into flames. Somebody shout hallelujah. You're funning into flame. You're funning into flame. Right? You're funning into flame. Somebody shout amen. But what uh, majorly is the intention of this? Romans has told us that when you're delivered from the law, now you serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter when he gets to the new dispensation of life in Christ he calls it the newness of spirit when he goes back in the old line of ministration he doesn't call it the oldness of the spirit no it is called the oldness of the letter because the law is not spirit. It is spiritual. That means it inclines to the spiritual, but it's not spirit. It is pneumatikos, the Greek word. It is not numa. You understand what I'm saying? I tell people, you can be under the law and be spiritual under the law. But being spiritual does not mean that you are fully connected and in line with the spirit of God. Spiritual means only inclination. The full experience of spirit is a different affair. And that only comes in the newness of the spirit. And no man who has not understood this mystery can live and function fully by the spirit. And that is why I tell people what looks like a doctrine, what people think is essentially just a doctrine, a pattern of belief, and a way of understanding, is now becoming and is, has always been, the fiber that defines clearly our carnal experiences and our spiritual experiences. The doctrine of law and grace is defining so clearly men who are in the Spirit and men who are not in the Spirit. Men who are spiritual and men who have the full experience of the Spirit. When we're talking about law and grace, we are not just talking about a doctrine. We're talking about a life that takes you into the deeper lines of experience. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 says, There is therefore, again he has said, Now! We can't say it in the days of Moses. We can't say it in the days of Jeremiah. We can't say it in the days of Isaiah. We can't say it in the days of Hezekiah. We can't say it in the days of Adam. We cannot say it in those days but we can say now he says there is no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit and the next verse says for the law listen of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death so What is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Come on, answer me. What is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Yes. And what is the law of sin and death? Moses. Do you understand that now? So when we're talking about law and grace, it's more than a doctrine. When we preach grace... It's not just a message, a good message. No, it is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It is the spirit of life, spirit of life, spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout amen. The same Jesus told you. That. The law came by Moses, right? But grace and truth came by Jesus. Is that so? The law came by Moses, was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus. So Jesus epitomizes the ministry of grace and truth. And that is the same Jesus who tells you in John that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Back to Romans verse chapter 8. He says, for the law of the spirit of life. You see the two words again? The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Somebody shout hallelujah. They are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That's John 6:63. 6, but remember, he said, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It means that when you are talking about grace, you're talking about the spirit of life in Christ. When you're talking about the law. You're speaking about sin and death. So what about people who tell us, you know what, you have to balance this. How do you balance it? How do you balance sin and death and relate it with spirit of life in Christ? How do you get the spirit of life in Christ and add mortality to it? Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you mix immortality with mortality? How do you mix darkness with light? How do you mix this? How does it even work? How do you mix faith with works? Right? Now, somebody will say, but the Bible says faith without works is dead. The order of James in faith without works is dead. The order of the spirit there is not works and faith. No, it is faith With works. There's a difference. It's not works and faith. Believe but also when you're doing. No. It is believe you will do. You get the difference. So it's the faith we believe. That comes with the power of operation. To execute because of the faith we believe. That is why when Paul speaks of the same grace. He said and I labored. More than all my brethren, yet not I, hallelujah, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, the grace of God in Paul labored more abundantly than his brethren. Are you following what I'm saying? It labored more abundantly than his brethren. So, grace is not a passive experience. It's an active experience. But you continuously carry the consciousness that it's not your activity, but the activity of the person of grace within you. That's the only difference. So it's doesn't I mean that we don't believe. In fact, people who don't understand this message think that we ignore works. No, we don't ignore works. We're only saying there's a difference between your personal works and then put them to faith and the works of faith. Did you understand what I just said? Faith walking through you. There's a very clear difference. And many people don't get this. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now, the Bible is clear. He said that when it comes to grace, he speaks of the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So when you say you are in the spirit, what do you mean? You are in grace. In Galatians 3, remember the story where he said, you foolish Galatians who bewitched you. Huh? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He asks, this only would I learn of you. He said, received ye the spirit by the works of the law Or by the hearing of faith? You see that? Received ye the spirit? Received ye the spirit? Did you receive the spirit? By the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Listen, underline the next verse. The next verse says, Are you so foolish? Listen, having begun in the spirit. Eh? You you see? You see? You see? That means when you receive grace, it means you are in the spirit. Shout, amen. That means if you say that you have begun in the spirit, it means that you are under grace. Because it's dealing with guys who began by grace and then started seeking justification and perfection by the flesh. Give me the amplified of that. Verse 3. He says... Are you so foolish and so senseless and so silly, having begun your new life spiritually with the Holy Spirit, are you now reaching perfection by dependence on the flesh? The spiritual in this was that they began their new life with the Spirit. That means the more you embrace grace, the message, you embrace the operation of the Spirit the more you detach from grace the message, you detach yourself from the operation of the spirit and thereby you enter into the carnal way of responding to divinity. When you respond carnally to the things of God, it means that you will not be able to have the results that the word of God says. What I'm trying to tell you is you can never be as spiritual as your revelation in the person of grace. Do you understand that? You will never be as spiritual as your revelation in the person of grace. Grace is more than just the message of excitement. No, sin imputed and righteousness is imputed through faith. Woo! Right? That's what I said. Many people think that, you know, when we're talking about the grace message, some people think we just say, You know, God does not impute sin on you, but imputes righteousness. Yeah, then you scream, then you tell your girlfriend, let's go and do everything we want because we are under grace. That's That's what they think. That's what they think. That's what they think. We all know grace is not a license. Because man doesn't need license to sin. Uh Uh-uh. The baby that lied for the first time when they started talking. They didn't lie because they got the license. And say, see, I have my license to lie. Then they tell a lie. No. The baby was born naturally a liar. Because of the original Adamic what? Nature. Who is that? Not me. Hey, hey. Yet he's the only one in the room. It's like, but it's not me. And you the one, no. You understand what I'm saying? But because it's in kids, it's in them, the original nature, the Adamic salvation when we give them Christ is when we help them understand that you are a new creation and behold the old is past the now new and the all things are of what? God. But originally they are Adamic as can be. They are sweet kids but they are technon yes but they are Adamic. There is nothing a child is not capable of doing in the Adamic nation. Somebody's out, hallelujah. So, when we are talking about that, you must appreciate. You see, over the years, I think, I know many of you have probably come across this, where people have you know, classified us as extreme grace preachers, right? And if you go on the internet, and then you Google extreme grace preachers, there's a list of things that extreme grace preachers preach. In fact, one time, when I looked at that list, even me, I got shocked. You get it? Because many of the stuff I read, I didn't know any St. Grace preacher preaching them. But I could see that it was interpreted by carnal men as though that was implication. You understand? You know, the worst part about being carnal is that even in the purest communication of things, the worst distortion can take place. And if you have walked in the spirit for so long, you realize that almost every level of distortion defines distance between. Who understands what I'm saying? Every level of distortion, you realize defines distance between. I'll give you an example. If you go on telephone... Hello? Eh? Eh? hello. Why is it that you're not hearing that person very well? Because they are far from you. If they were in two meter space and you're talking to them, you'll not be having problem in distortion of communication. It only means that they are distant. You get it? If you send a text message and then someone receives half of that text message, it is because communication is distorted because that person is far from you you get it i think some of you have played the game or have seen people playing it where they make a line of like 20 people and then they tell one person a statement in the back All right and then they tell it tell it to the person in front of you and then they go saying the words by the time it gets to the first one it is Different. In fact, what killed me one of those days, they created a game and then they say the word in the back. It was English. By the time he reached at the front, it was in Luganda. Distance creates distortion. So sometimes. When people cannot interpret things of the spirit a certain way, some of us don't go back to ask ourselves the question, how distant are they from where we are? That defines distance. Jesus enters the temple and he says, break this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days. And the Bible says, and they knew not that he was speaking about his body. And they say, but hey, we've built this temple for 46 years. How then do you tell us that you're going to raise it up in three days? But the mystery is in the 46. Because the number 40 means trial. And the number 6 is the number of man. Meaning that this temple was a result of man's highest level of trial. As far as a man can be tested, this is the best they can build. He's telling them, break down this one. I, God, will rebuild it. In other words, what man could build by testation, I can build by testimony. You get it? 46 the number 40 means trial the number 6 means the number of man that is as far as the effort of man can go he's trying to tell them substitute the effort of man with the effort of God and you see whether I will not deliver but they did not get it because of the distance from where the son of God spoke and it's so funny that even when the distance was there with the son of God Many times he would not try to explain himself more except to those to whom it was given to understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he gets to the 12, he takes even time to expound. God can only explain to the man who is able to understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when he's in the 5,000, he's speaking in parables. And some are picking the parable some are picking the fiction of the story and they take it as a lesson but they can't pick the hidden mind of the spirit you get my point point? and some their lessons are hemmed in the fiction part of the parable not the distinctive message that God is trying to deliver because again how we hear all right Because we think sometimes that it's obvious but it is not. And many of you hear your brains and think it's God speaking. You understand? How God relates and speaks to each one of us according to the depth of his voice that we are able to perceive by the spirit. Because if you don't understand this, you'll always receive the shallow things. You'll only receive the predictable things. You'll only receive The usual, you'll hear the usual things and you'll become, you'll be a usual Christian, a predictable one, right? And you should not be so. Because, see, that is even a disservice to your soul. The Bible says that the ministry of the Spirit of God is to search out the bottomless things of God. Right? To search out the bottomless things of God. But like I said, the reason why many people don't understand that is because, like the Amplified Bible says, they are sounded. They come in sound. Like two people on the same ground, like the scripture says, and the Bible says, and God spoke, but the rest had thunder. They say, oh, we had thunder, but in there, God spoke. But they didn't hear the voice and the words of God. What they had was thunder. And sometimes I ask myself, how many times have we had thunders when God was speaking? And some people heard the voice, others heard the thunder. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. But because when it goes to the bottomless things of God, you must be able to cipher the sound, you must be able to hear the voice very keenly. The imprint must be very clear on your spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. So we are now getting into a time where we must emphasize to people that grace is not just a message, a good message. Grace is your understanding in the spirit realm and your response thereof. Your dwelling, your portion and lot in the spirit realm. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Shout amen. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 28, he asks a question. He said, he that despised Moses' law died without what? Mercy. Under two or three witnesses. And then he asks, of how much sore punishment or greater punishment Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot or you know stepped over the son of God listen who has trodden the son of God comma and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite or grief to the spirit he called him the spirit of grace Are you following what I'm saying? He called him the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of grace. Somebody asked C.S. Lewis, great writer, one of the most amazing apologists I've ever read. Somebody asked C.S. Lewis a question one day and he said, C.S. Lewis, what is the one definitive difference between the Christian faith and any other faith in the world? And C.S. Lewis said, simple, grace. Somebody shout amen. He said simple, the difference between Christianity and any other faith in the world. Is the message of grace? If the Christian loses that, is like any other religion. Because, like you emphasize Moses, ah, huh? like you emphasize Moses, the law. Islam emphasizes Sharia, the law. Rome emphasizes the law. England emphasizes the law. Mormon emphasizes the law. S D emphasizes the law. They do. It's the law. And they think that by doing that, they're establishing righteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. But that is not so. It is not how so we have learned Christ. The difference between the Christian faith and any other faith in the world is the message of grace. God's favor and mercy toward mankind in the Christian faith. There is no other faith in the world that defines God's love like the church, like the Bible, like the Christian faith. No other. It's not there. 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 It does not exist. It can't exist. Because to understand this love, you must realize it's not just what God gives. It's his nature. God is love. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so it's primarily the nature. And that's why I tell Christians, every time we're talking about the gospel, connect so much to the God nature than just simply giving reference to it. Become it. For example, if any of you has come to me and you've wronged me and you want to say sorry, many of you realize I still tell you I forgive you. I don't say, okay, now i have forgiven. You never do it again. No, it's not in my nature not to forgive you. How can I not forgive you? Even the worst thing you could ever do to me. I forgive. Because Jesus forgave me. Oh! Somebody shout hallelujah. Jesus what? How can marriage fail when you understand that? How can life fail when you understand that? How can you fail when you understand that? How? You understand what I'm saying? I what? Forgive. Right? Because Jesus forgave us. Somebody die need to tell me sorry for me to forgive them. No, it is a default thing. The moment they do it, shift, delete. Yeah, so it doesn't go through the recycle bin. You can't restore. (laughs) Yeah, shift, delete. So when you go on your computer and then you select a file and say shift, delete, it doesn't go to the recycle bin. It goes straight out. Tap somebody and tell them they're talking about me right there. Yeah. It's better to first believe it. Confession is powerful. Somebody shout hallelujah. Confession is what? Powerful. Christ forgave us. The Bible says Christ forgave us. Christ forgave us. He's, he's not forgiving us. In fact, I no longer to go to Jesus for forgiveness. Every time I go before him, he's like, let's not talk about that. How do we fix it? Yeah, I forgive you, Grace. How do we fix it? Do you understand what I'm saying? How do we what? How do we fix it? How do we fix it? How do we move on from here? That's the way of the Spirit of Grace. That's how you relate with friends. That's how you relate in your... That's how you relate... How... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way forward. Always look at a way forward. Always go forward. Always go forward. Always <clears throat> just move on forward. <clears throat> offense is weakness. Do you know that? It's weak to carry offense. I'm offended. It's weak. It's weakness. Praise God. If they won't move on, it's okay. You at least keep quiet and leave them. But don't carry offense. There's nobody I hate. They can't look back and I say, God, I hate that person. No. Even if I try, in my nature, it can't. You understand? Because the spirit of grace in me, forgave. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout what? Hallelujah. Yeah, there are people yelling, I don't know even how to talk to them anymore, but in my heart, I forgive them. You, I don't have any. Me, in my heart, I'm free. For who saw the sense it's free? It's free indeed. Somebody shout hallelujah. You always walk proud and know in your heart you will, don't have anybody in this world you hate. How about Satan? That one. Satan I hate. Satan? That one. I don't want to know. Praise God. Satan, that one, yeah. That one. Lucifer. That one I don't want to know. Praise God. I don't want to know what? I don't want to know. Praise God. But you see, and I was telling people, much as people have misunderstood extreme grace because of the points that are written on the internet, that's them, okay? And some of the things written there are very... they're so crazy to even believe that they say grace preachers do that right but that's them that's them and they are God however if you've understood that the more grace you are the more spirit you are what can you do you can only go extreme Uh, you tell me what can you be extreme praise God Except that again, I must admit that sometimes we have misrepresented the message because of sometimes how wisdom is not applied when we are relaying this great message. I'll give you an example. One time I was watching a television. One of the most popular grace preachers we have in the the world now. He was teaching about repentance. And of course, Everything he spoke, I was in agreement with, except one. I'll come to that. But he said, for example, he said, if you fall into sin or if you make a mistake or if you're you're dealing with an addiction or whatever, the true spiritual warfare begins when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That one I agreed because I had taught it myself and I can qualify that by the book. Okay. Why? Because repentance—the Greek word for repentance—is metanoia, to change the mind, right? To metanoia, to turn back. It's like you're walking this direction, right? And then you go to this direction. That's repentance. Metanoia, to change the mind. Yes, you stole, and then you say, "I'm not a thief." That's repentance. Did you know that? That's repentance. You're changing your mind. Okay, God, I stole. I'm sorry. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can't be a thief. That's repentance. You get it? So he spoke it and said, so and then he added and said, when you do that, don't be sorry. Just say I'm the righteousness of God. Me, that's where my problem came. When somebody says, don't be sorry. Listen, the Bible speaks of godly sorrow. It's what leadeth to repentance. You cannot have godly sorrow and not repent. And you cannot repent without godly sorrow. Don't confuse sorrow with asking for forgiveness. It is okay to be sorry before God. Right? It's okay to ask for forgiveness if you don't know that he has forgiven you. But when you know he has forgiven you, When you go to God, you realize it's not even the issue of forgiveness. But it is the sorrow, the godly sorrow that I have set myself against the will and purposes of God. I'm sorry. I'm sorrowful for this God. But I choose to believe that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And this weakness is not defining me. I'm more and above it. I choose to walk by the word of God and the fulfillment. And I refuse any negative energy, any words of accusation, any guilt, treats, uh, treats sorry, of the devil that he tries to put in my way to disqualify me and make me weak through guilt and condemnation. I'm not under condemnation for him. Christ, for the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's a man repenting. But when we remove the sorrow, we start becoming stupid. I'll explain why. So I ask the question, what if somebody does the worst thing that you could ever do? Hmm? Worst sin. Let me give you an example. Like Somebody raped somebody. Eh? A man raps a woman. And then he says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You've damaged someone. And you say you're the righteousness of God in Christ? No. At that particular point, sorry is most important. Right? Isn't it? Although there are people who will never take your sorry when you've wronged them. You know, there are also people who don't forgive. Now you can say, I'm sorry. Why? I have to kill it. you. Know, but, but you see, now we started to see a breed of young, most so young people Who, because they are under grace and they are not sinners, righteousness is imputed on them and they don't sin, therefore they are not sorrowful. They hurt their parents so bad, and the Kagai says, "Ah, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. I'm a saint, I'm not a sinner. Your parents are hard. I was dealing with a young man some time back. For him he will never say I'm sorry. At least he will use a political answer like "Uh, I admit that was a mistake. (laughs) Whose mistake? It was a mistake. Did you do the mistake? Uh, The colonel man did a mistake. (laughs) Or he'll say of course uh, it was an error. You're just admitting that it was an error. But are you sorrowful, the God kind? Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, I, mm, I misconstrued a few. It was a misinterpretation of an event. But uh, let's move on. <laughs> are you sorry and by the way let me also tell you these Christians if somebody tells you sorry you forgive them you don't forgive them you what you forgive them of course you learn your lessons people think that forgiving people mean you don't learn Hey, no we learn tell anybody we what we learn i see that now we are living in a life where some people are understanding grace but some in the understanding of grace they're becoming more proud more pompous more disrespectful more unaccountable and i know why this is happening you see i think there was a big error when the church started speaking about the personalization of salvation because when we started to teach that salvation was personal, not a corporate affair, it was supposed to be healthy if it was only maintained to the life of the man's commitment toward God. But the church of Jesus Christ, if you're a student of life, you're realizing that the church has gotten so overpersonalized personalized in God that they're not accountable to anybody or anything. If I drink alcohol, mm-hmm, salvation is What? personal if I hang out this way and then I dress that way are you the one taking me to heaven did you die for my sins salvation is what personal if I pray I pray if I don't pray it's none of your business no I'm my brother's keeper why didn't you pray if I pray is it none of your business salvation is what now, the overpersonalization of salvation is now bringing more problems in church because it's detaching people from the accountability of fellowship and not neglecting, the Bible says, the fellowship of what? Of saints, as some do as the manner of Psalm is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. The Bible says submit yourselves to one another. Yes, salvation is personal, but you stumble me when I find you drunk. Yes, salvation is personal, but you stumble me when I find you in a bar. Yes, it's personal, but you're stumbling me. And the Bible says you cannot do anything where we, the brothers, shall be stumbled. And I see that some people, most of the people who are saying grace, are detaching from that sensitivity that is necessary. Some people do think salvation is personal. You are accountable to the body of Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. It's like me returning any day, any time in my home. And then I tell my whole household, I am a man of God. You can't question where I'm coming. (laughs) I'm I'm accountable to my household to know where I am. Not because I'm a man. I am accountable to my household to know where I am, why I'm where I am. Praise God. Now we have a bunch of people who live the way they do. Salvation is personal. Are you the one going to take me to heaven? Me, I know me, Jesus who called me. If I'm born again, I'm born again. If I have this weakness, God knew that I have it. But now, please, please. One time I was counseling somebody. And then they said, I didn't invite you, Apostle. I didn't call it on me. And if God knew that I was going to be this way, it was his business to deal with it. So, while he deals with it, can you just heal? <laughs> no, but no. <laughs> huh? About Uganda. That is not how salvation is. I thought I would find sorrow in the heart of this Christian. But no. This person was simply justifying and you know that people were so in the laissez-faire passive thing of the day God wants to take it, he'll take it. Let me just continue doing what I want until God chooses to take it away. He took it away. He took it away long ago like he forgave you. So don't tell us the day God decides to take it away. He took it away. Stop misquoting God. He what? He took it away. In fact repentance should not be the day he decides to take it. That means you admit it's still there. You you see what I'm saying? Stop being over smart. Now we need also to be accountable in the message we call what? Grace. Recently they were counseling a young boy who refused to go to school. And who did they blame? Fanero. I said, managi. Even me now I'm the one refusing people to go to school. Me I studied. My pastors have studied. Some have gone back to school. We are releasing students every year to America, Europe, Australia, to study. And then someone comes out and says, me, I'm in Fenero. I don't go to school because I'm under the spirit. Where Praise God. We can't allow that. Tell your neighbor, we will not allow you to ascend the gospel in the name of the message. No. We are your keeper. And don't blame people when they come and talk to you. You understand? Maybe your dress is longer up than it's supposed to be. Maybe. And maybe when you say in the mirror, you saw the mirror from here. Someone comes and tells you, i Na nange sister. Excuse me, salvation is what? Is that what brought you to church? What brought me to church? Is that what you you to church to observe me? Hey! Hey! Do you know the things people are dealing with? Do you know the things people are fighting? I also pass with this. People are fighting things. someone's neck breaks salvation is what no don't do anything that stumbles your brother and if, if you are called out by somebody and they tell you you know what I think this brother is stumbling be quick to say sorry Be quick to say what? I am so sorry that this has stumbled you. So sorry. Go go back home. Ask the tailor to add another two, three levels. Why? Because you're the message. When you walk like this, you're preaching. Salvation is Praise God. What makes the Holy Spirit holy is not just the word holy. There are many spirits. There are many what? Spirits. And some people think that because we can identify and say this is a holy spirit, this is an evil spirit. Some people think that that is enough. No, there are men who looked at Jesus Christ and called him the prince of demons. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's more than just the separation because what you call holy, another man and call holy. What you call Holy Spirit, probably another person in another faith calls holy, but is not actually what? Holy. And I tell people that why do people think it's just enough when we say Holy Spirit? Why do people think that it's just enough because you said Holy Spirit, therefore he's holy? What if I said, Spirit, touch this person? Then you know those very skeptical people in, in the meeting. Did you hear him say Holy Spirit? He said, Spirit, which spirit salvation is? Then they start building bush stories. is new. It doesn't demonstrate through the spirit of God. Why does he just say spirit? Why does he just say spirit? You say Holy Spirit now. Satan knows that if he just says Holy Spirit, they will believe. And funny chaps are doing things in the name of Holy Spirit. Like that's why you see some people with problems. That recently I was with some guys in Malaysia, and these guys are saying, "Oh, when you say Jesus, no, 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 it's not Jesus. He's Yeshua." Call him by his name Yeshua Hamashiach. They even written Bibles, wherever there was Jesus, they put Yeshua, 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 because they think it's more holier to call him Yeshua. Listen, whether he's Yeshua or Yeshua or Jesus, the name alone is not enough because there are Yeshua's that are not Yeshua. But the name is in the nature. That even the Muchika from Kabare says the and cancer disappears. What are you talking about? Some of us knew him as Jesus. Even before you brought Yeshua, Hamashiach. And little men were walking under the name of Jesus. And you is calling Yeshua, you can't get rid of a flu. Salvation is... what defines this spirit as holy is because he identifies with the person of grace. He is the spirit of grace. I want you to open your mouth. Just open your mouth and speak to God. We just want to take an opportunity to thank God for the message. Father, we thank you for the message. Because it has given us hope. We thank you for the message. Because it has brought us peace. We thank you for the message. Because it has given us victory. Thank you for the message. Because it has brought reconciliation and forgiveness. Thank you for the message because it has provided for us. Thank you for the message because it has made us better people, better men and women. Thank you for the message because by it we have seen. Thank you for the message because we've received righteousness by it. Thank you for the message because by it we've walked in holiness. Thank you for the message because by it we've walked in divine health. Thank you for the message because by it our children are blessed. Thank you for the message because our stars are shining bright by it. Thank you for the message message because by it results are imminent and success is evident thank you for the message because by it many things we have overcome mountains have been leveled and valleys have been raised thank you for the message God because now we know how to live we know how to be we know what to believe we know who we are somebody just raise your voice and thank God for the message of his grace which is able to keep us and give us an inheritance amongst them which are sanctified through faith. Thank God for the message you're hearing. Thank God for the voice of the spirit that is coming out this morning to you. Thank him for what grace has done for you. just give him a mighty hand clap come and clap for Jesus clap for him from the bottom of your heart for giving you such a wonderful have never given your life to Jesus and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior I want to give you an opportunity wherever you are just repeat these this after me say Jesus thank you for your word I have heard your message I have received it fully tonight I receive you as my Lord and savior who shed his blood for my sins and was raised for my glory amen god bless you the message you have just heard was brought to you by finero ministries international for more information contact us on telephone number 041 466 or email us at, at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.finero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma multipurpose hall from 5pm to 8pm. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com/finero. Finero make manifest.